You know, Parker, at about 9.30 this morning, I had like this fun realization that lasted of all about three seconds. I thought, oh, wait, whoa, there's six days away until National Signing Day. Oh, wait, there's not really going to be a whole lot for us to talk about with Signing Day Part 2 coming up next week. How do you uh, feel about Taylor Heim? I feel great about Taylor Heim. Uh, like this him? is a Brent Venable special. You, you know what Taylor Heim reminds me of? And I'm not comparing him to oh any. Boy, here we go. I'm not comparing him. Here we go. Him. Tyler's pumping sunshine again. I'm not comparing him to any specific player. But Bob Stoops joins us every single Tuesday on the rush, and he's already told us a couple of stories of you know, I saw Dan Cody, how big he was, how how athletic he was. None of our position coaches wanted to commit to him, and I said, guys, we're offering him a scholarship, and we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a place where this guy can play. He told us on Tuesday about Lane Johnson. He was a quarterback in JUCO. I said, how did you, like, tell us the story of you moving him to tackle, and he's a top 10 pick. And he says, well, I, I asked Schmitty how long it would take him to move him to tackle, and he said a couple of weeks and a few cheeseburgers. And then there's the story about DeMarco Murray, which I plan on asking him next week, where the way that I understand it, he goes out to Vegas, sees DeMarco dunk a basketball, and he says, yeah, that'll do. I'll go ahead and offer that guy as well. So the comparison to me is there was a few times where Bob Stoops just saw a guy and says, I don't really know what position he's going to play, but he's really big and athletic. We'll take our chance here. And that's kind of what this Taylor Heim offers feels like. Like Brent may not know right now where he's going to play or where he projects, but it feels like he just said, yeah, I watched his tape. He's big, athletic. We'll figure it out, and we'll, we'll, he may turn into a really good player for Please us. Please blow it up on Twitter. Tyler McComas is dubbing Taylor Heim the next Dan Cody. At me. Please, at me. No, but in all seriousness, uh, it, there's a lot of parallels. As you sit there and talk about the Dan Cody situation, there's a lot of parallels between the Sooners recruitment of Dan Cody back in the day and the recruitment of Taylor Heim here in 2023 because – this offer really came out of nowhere. It was late. We didn't figure Oklahoma was going to take anybody else in the class of 2023. Numbers were tight as it is, but Brent Venables takes a look at Taylor Himes' film, decides, you know what, he's good enough to play here. We want him here. Much like Bob Stoops and Dan Cody, the sentiment from the Oklahoma staff was, we don't know exactly where Taylor Himes going to play and that's positionally. Okay. That's okay. And that's okay. We're going to figure it out when he gets here. And we're open to having him play either side of the ball as necessary. And I think you got a bunch of guys like that in this class. And I think there's a we've got a pretty clear cut sense of which side of the ball the majority of those guys are going to play. But I mean, you think about it. Samuel Masigo was a guy that had P five offers on both sides of the ball. Jacoby Johnson's a guy that still could play either side of the football. I don't think that's entirely determined. Cade McIntyre. Every other offer he had besides the Oklahoma one was an offer to play linebacker, and Oklahoma wanted him as a tight end. I've said many a time, I'm still not convinced he doesn't end up on defense sure. when it's all said and done. But versatility is a characteristic that you see so frequently across uh, this Oklahoma recruiting class in the 2023 cycle. Uh, this text says, yeah, Bob was there recruiting Ryan Reynolds and saw DeMarco dunk and then said, that's a guy OU needs. Like, Bob, ha I, he was around the game for a long time, um, so he's going to have some awesome recruiting stories, but that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Just see him dunks like, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and put that guy at running back and things are probably going to work out.
And it did. DeMarco scored the uh, most points in OU history by a uh, non-kicker. So I I would say that that one worked out quite nicely. Man, like I said, six days until National Signing Day Part 2. Taylor Heim might be one guy that we see sign. Um, I mean, is there any, like any other potential storyline that could that we could be talking about next Wednesday involving OU. There's a lot of national stuff, but there, is there anything with OU that could be a big story next week? No. I don't think I so mean, either. Because uh, here's the thing. Literally everybody else is signed already. The Sooners have nobody else left that even needs to file their paperwork. So there's not any semblance of a question as to whether Oklahoma could or will lose a member of this recruiting class late in the process or whether they'll flip a guy at the 11th hour because they're not really in the market for anybody right now except for Taylor Heim. That's their guy. They're going to host him on an official visit this weekend. If they add him as what would be, I guess, what, the 25th or 26th member of this class? I forget. But he's either the last guy you add to this class or your original crew that you inked back in December is who you got. Yeah. And either way, I think you're satisfied. Um, some some potentially interesting signing day um, like headlines going into this in the next week. Uh, how does Colorado close late? That'll be something to watch. Jaden Rashad has got to be the most interesting thing, though. Like, Is it believed that he is going to sign next Wednesday, or could this drag out even further than National Signing Day? I have no idea, Tyler. <laughs> I have no idea anymore. Trying to project I, this recruitment. Good luck with that. You could not pay me to care. At this point in time, he visited. I guess he's on tap to visit TCU this weekend. Uh, he was just at Arizona State. I, who knows? I, I have no idea. Who knows? I have no. Have idea. fun with that one. Whoever uh, whoever gets that uh, whoever gets that commit, whoever gets that signing, whatever. But yeah, six days away. National Signing Day Part Two. Uh, I here's the thing with the Taylor Heim. I don't think it's it's not going to get you to number three. But once he gets a 24, uh, 24-7 composite ranking, maybe it helps you stay at number four. I, I don't know what Ohio State at five, like what their targets are going into signing day two, but this is a guy that can just help you stay at number four when it's all said and done. So that's that's kind of what it is there. Um, your daily Jeff Levy update. Oh, boy. Do we need a sponsor? I feel like someone would uh, be willing to sponsor the daily Jeff Levy update for how many mentions they would get. Cole Kublick was on the Paul Feinbaum show uh, yesterday. Feel however you want about Paul Feinbaum, but uh, Cole Kublick actually does a really nice job in the state of Alabama hosting a radio show in Birmingham. And he just, he didn't sound like he was all that confident that Jeff Lebby is the next offensive coordinator at Bama. In fact, he went as far to say, Parker, that, you know, what he thinks Nick Saban wants to do offensively that Jeff Lebby is about the furthest candidate away like the type of offense that he wants say. to run he's like yeah this is like the furthest thing away that I feel like uh, Nick Saban would want to do so if you're an Alabama fan listening to that I don't think if you heard what Cole Kublick had to say you walked away saying oh yeah this dude thinks that he's the next OC at yeah, Bama is, is Cole a member of the ref army because I I could swear we were having that exact conversation 24 hours ago Tyler some well some just won't buy it on the text line um one listener from the 918 on the text line asked, how do you spell Taylor's last name? H-E-I-M, Taylor Heim, H-E-I-M. Uh, Chapstick asks, why would they use an official on a local kid? I mean, you don't have anybody else at this point that you're going to use officials on. No. 
And if you're not offering you, him a scholarship, I mean, yeah, you know, that's how you show the kid he's valued, right? That's how you make sure that he knows he is not just wanted at Oklahoma, but that he's a priority at Oklahoma. Uh, Jim in Arlington says, Bama fans claim Jalen Hurts, but not ROC. <laughs> uh, Jim in Arlington, you had an awesome text earlier today that will be addressed in probably the 3 o'clock hour about, uh, tell me, uh, like, let me know how you listen to the ref without telling me that you actually listen to the ref. There have been some classic responses with that, and I will be reading those. It's great. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, what up, guys? Where do you expect JUCO defensive lineman Michael? Uh, Michael, how do you say? How do you pronounce that? Lakocha. Last name? Where do you expect him to end up? That's a good question. I haven't really had the chance to dig on that. I know Oklahoma's a top consideration for him, and it wouldn't shock me if he ends up visiting Norman. <laughs> but until he visits Norman, I'm playing. I'm playing a pretty tentative with that one. Five eight zero nine. He says, Levy updates brought to you by U-Haul, which I like that. So, look, I, the daily Jeff Levy update, you, you want it. We, we got to talk about it. It's very relevant right now. I feel like if this thing was going to happen, there would be a lot more smoke as the week goes on. And there, there's been less smoke as the week has gone on. I, like Cole Kublick going on there, he, he's plugged into both the Bama and Auburn programs. He didn't sound very confident about it. Um, I don't feel very confident at all that Jeff Levy's going to leave. Neither does Parker. Neither does anyone around here, by the mm-hmm. way. No one that's like tied in thinks that Levy's going to leave. So we'll continue to talk about it and bring it up, but the story in the field stays the same. I, Jeff Levy's your OC next year, I think. From the 405 on the text line. Who from the class of 2023 will make the most impact on the field offensively and defensively besides the three five stars we have signed? Okay, Tyler, you get one guy on either side of the football. Take your pick. Um, I mean, I think Jaquay's Petaway offensively has got a chance with some, you know, this wide receiver room is looking for its number one guy. I don't think that he's going to necessarily be in the mix for that, but there's spots to be won at wide receiver. He's the best wide receiver that you signed. Is he your best offensive player that you signed outside of Jackson Arnold, who I can't choose? I mean, he or Caden Green, I I would probably go with him. What do you think on offense? On offense, I would actually – I'd have a tough time picking between Keon Brown and Jaquase Petaway because I think both those guys are going to see the field. And they're very different. They're very different receivers, and they will see the field in very different capacities and very different roles. But – I really do think, especially as I look at that receiver room top to bottom, I think those are two guys that can supplant some of the incumbents on this roster and work their way into the rotation. Um, Defensively, I want to hear your answer first. Uh, Defensively, outside the five stars, I mean, defensive end, we'll see what happens there. I I feel like they're going to be pretty good at safety next year. Um, God, this one's actually a lot a lot more difficult than the offensive side of the ball. I'll say outside the five stars, jeez. I think that I, I, I'm really kind of leaning linebacker here. I'll say I'll say Lewis Carter gets some run at backer, but I don't even necessarily feel great about that one. Really? I I would go with Samuel Masigo. And man, I mentioned it last hour. We probably have not talked about Samuel Masigo enough. That guy's going to be very good. Very good. Well, I think both those two linebackers that we just mentioned, uh-huh. that has a – like you're you're talking about Kanick and Stutzman as a possibility 
of being a legit linebacker duo, which you haven't had in a long time, by the way, right? Like, you've had individual really good linebacker years. Kenneth Murray, obviously one of those first-round picks. But, you know, what's the last great linebacker duo that we've seen at OU? Um, obviously, Kalmus and Marshall was really good. Uh, Teddy and Rocky were really good together. I mean, you've had some good ones in the past. Like, the point is is if Kanick and Stutzman aren't that next great linebacker duo, I think Omasigo and Carter has a chance to be, you know, that duo that you've been waiting on for quite some time. You agree with that? I I, I think that there's potential there for that. Yes, yes. And I think both of those guys, Sammy and Lewis Carter, I think their time probably comes in all of its fullness post-Stutzman and Kanick. I think that's your next tandem, but I think next up after that are Sammy Omasigo and Lewis Carter, and I would throw Phil Pichotti in there as well. I don't think there's a bad eval among any of those three backers that have come in in this class for Oklahoma. I don't and know I, how people around here are going to react if they have a great linebacker duo again. Like, people are going to faint. They're not going to know what to do, Parker. It's going to take us back to the old days when life was good and they were playing elite defense. And if 20 doesn't get you, number 10 will on that defense. <laughs> and uh, somebody on the text line brought up Macari Vickers. There is a world... And I, I would make the comparison to Latrell McCutcheon in 2021. I know that's a name that most OU fans spit upon these days. But Latrell McCutcheon was a guy that showed up and started by game number two of his true freshman year. Looking at Oklahoma's stable of cornerbacks, I think if Makari Vickers really pops in fall camp, there's a chance he could be that guy. He could be that kind of a guy that's in the rotation and potentially starting – very early on. Now, can, can I rephrase the question? Out of the three five-stars, which one do I think is going to have the biggest impact? Well, I, Jackson Arnold's going to be a hit away from being that guy, and, and we'll see what happens throughout the year. But, man, it, it's hard to think. It's, I mean, PJ's just – I think he's going to have an impact one way or the other. I don't know if he's a starter day one, but I think you're going to see P.J. Adabare play next year. Uh, you will. And I'm very excited about seeing P.J. Adabare play next year. <laughs> what is what uh, What number did he wear in high school? Uh, he wore number four in high school. That's right. He's, he's going to wear number 34 at OU. Oh, okay, I was hoping he'd be a single-digit guy. Yeah, 34. He, he, he wanted to be a single-digit guy, but <laughs> could not. The but. five stars don't get you the single digits around here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Joe in Tulsa says, Taylor Himes Twitter says six foot five instead of six foot three with a four four seven forty and thirty eight inch vertical and he plays basketball. He would be tough to cover at receiver. If you watch the tape on Taylor, I think it's it's clear that he is probably better suited to the defensive side of the ball. Also I'm just gonna go ahead and say it and it's not a knock on the kid, it's just reality. He does not run a four four seven forty. There are maybe four or five players on OU's entire roster right now that legitimately run a 4 4 yeah, you Taylor Heim, yeah, if he was 6'3", well, he is 6'3", 190. But if he was 6'3", 190, he's running a 4-4, OU would have offered before this. And a lot of other and schools. And a lot of other – like, he doesn't have a Power 5 offer outside of OU uh, currently, correct? No, he does not. And that would not be the case if he was running a 4-4. Yeah, no, but he's, that doesn't mean he's not a really good player. Obviously, he is, and we'll see if this one works out. It'll be, be fun to see if it uh, does. A listener asked, Taylor Heim and OU commit this time next week? I'll do you one better. Taylor Himes an OU signee yeah. this time Again, signing day six days away, so I, I would agree with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be a silent commitment this weekend, or do you think that's going to be public? Uh, do you think he I, wants to shout it from the rooftops hard, hard that he commits this weekend? I, I My guess is he'll probably wait till signing day to announce it. Yeah. All right. Good enough. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 
Whole lot of Cruton, whole lot of transfer portal, whole lot of OU football to get to this hour. Keep it locked on the ref. What up, Ref Army? We see you tuned in nationwide once again today. Web City, Missouri is checked in via our Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Mansfield, Texas. Florissant, Colorado. North Las Vegas, Nevada. I didn't know that there was a North Las Vegas. But I'm going to guess you would dislike North Las Vegas just as much as you uh, dislike regular Las Vegas. I dislike Las Vegas in all directions. <laughs> North, south, east, and west. Invariably. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Hello. Tuned in today. Yeah. Urbandale, Iowa. And our small Oklahoma town of the day, Okmulgee, Oklahoma. Ah, love Okmulgee. Drive through it quite frequently. Yeah. So I uh, went back and looked at where all the five stars, where they came from this year in the 2023 class. 24-7 uh, composite five stars, there were 38 of them. Which state do you think had the most five stars in it this cycle? Probably Florida? Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't know how many of those kids are like IMG kids from outside of the state, but I, whatever, I, I counted it. Uh, nine five stars. Nine uh, 24-7 composite five stars in the state of Florida this year. That was the most, followed by Texas with six. Mm-hmm. Alabama had four five stars this year. California with just three this year. Um, and then you had a bunch of states. South Carolina, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Mississippi with one. Massachusetts had two this year, which is interesting. Georgia with two five stars this year. I did notice something interesting, though, with Texas. This was kind of like a um, like a vintage recruiting year. Like This reminds me of the early 2000s. There were six five-stars in the state of Texas, and every single one of them landed at OU, at Texas, or Texas A&M. Uh-huh. All three of those schools got two apiece. This is back to the good old days where if you're an elite prospect in the state of Texas, like you weren't going to another SEC school somewhere. You were going to one of those three schools most likely. So that, that, was, an interesting, that was an interesting thing to see when we're seeing Bama and LSU and even Ohio State at times get in with those elite kids in the state of Texas. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. Obviously, OU got JFA and Peyton Bowen. Texas got Ant Hill and Cedric Baxter. Or, wait, Cedric Baxter's not a Texas guy. Uh, Texas got Anthony Hill, and they got – oh, gosh, who's the other one? Um, Jonte Cook, right? Oh, Jonte Cook is yeah. a five-star, yeah. 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 And then Texas A&M got DJ Hicks and – I can't remember who the other Ruben one was. Ruben Owens. Yeah. There, there yeah. we go. There's, your, there's your six five-stars in the state of Texas. So I don't know how OU fans feel about that, but uh, six five-stars in the state of Texas, and you got two of them. And according to 24-7, you got the number two and the number three ranked player in the state of Texas. So, all in all, I say not a bad little haul in the state of Texas, especially when you factor in Samuel Omasigo and some of the other players that you got from the 23 class that year. Uh, boo, Okmulgee has more than 10,000 people, says the text line. Fact check. Hmm. True. Okay. 11,000. Byers. Pick a, pick a new small town. Byers, Oklahoma okay, is your Byers small town of the day. I had that initially, but I felt like we've used it before, so I, f- I was trying to I find a replacement. Have. Oh, okay. I don't well, think we've used Byers. Byers, Oklahoma is on the list today. Okay. There we go. Uh, listening from the Palace, as always, uh, one of our friends with the ground crew. Are they really painting the end zone right now? Oh, there's a junior day coming up, so I bet that they are. For photo shoots, if not. Yeah, else. yeah. They sent us a picture of uh, painting the end zones. By the way, they're painting the end zones as if it were a conference game this weekend. What does that mean? Well, if you've never noticed, 
there's red in the uh, background of Oklahoma in the end zones for conference games, and it's just regular grass for non-conference games. That's a cool tradition. I don't know how that got started, but I think it's like a unique thing that I'm, I'm down to see moving forward in the future, like for so many years. Uh, I'm with you, Parker. Vegas sucks. Thank you. That's from the 319. Thank you. Brian, Brian in Tulsa says, I can't remember, but was Clint Ingram and Rufus Alexander at the same time? I love those two at linebacker. Yeah, they overlapped. Yeah, Rufus was there in 05 and Clint Ingram was there in 05. Mm-hmm. I always remember Clint was there in 05 because of the, the interception Bowl, he had yeah. in, the, in the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, the most memorable play of his career. It was a pretty good one, too. Mm-hmm. Fastest guy on the OU roster? Ask this uh, texter from the 405. It says 40 and 100. Uh, uh, yeah. 40 is what's important to me. Yeah, I don't think they run 100s. If they did run 100s, it would be Jaden Rowe. Uh, the fastest guy in the 40s in the testing uh, in the testing that they did last week, the fastest 40 time belonged to one Gentry Williams. Ooh, so, really? Yeah. Huh. 918 owns arguably the two fastest guys on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of – and I remember asking DeMarco Murray last August – when Oklahoma did their annual coaches media day, uh, who he would have on his four by one team if he could draft one. And DeMarco said, I'd obviously be running anchor leg, <laughs> but he said, I agree with that. The, the two guys that he'd certainly draft, uh, or no, I think he did. He did ultimately fill out the entire roster. He said, Gentry Williams, Jaden Rowe and Gavin Sawchuk, mm. all three of whom were true freshmen at that point, by the way. And yeah, I suffice it to say, DeMarco's evaluation of those three and their speed, it, it's held up because it was a drag race between Gentry Williams and Gavin Sawchuk for fastest 40 time. Uh, by the way, Travis Davidson says Jiffy Lube seems like a natural fit for a Jeffy Lube segment sponsor. And I am all about <laughs> that. Yes. By the way, Travis was telling me yesterday he thinks that Michael Hawkins is still going to uh, commit on the 31st. Yeah. You think he is too? Yeah. No, okay. that's that, I, that commitment date, to the best of my knowledge, is still on the table. Well, well, I think that that would surprise some people after he said this past weekend that he's pushing his commitment date back. Yeah, and there was a reason that tweet was promptly deleted. <laughs> okay, so we can maybe expect to have good news on Tuesday, I guess, with Michael Hawkins being the first 24 commits? I would think so. That, that um, would be all right. Okay. I, again, I've said this before, and I don't want to – I don't want people getting expectations accordingly. I don't want people coming back next Monday and being like, where are the commits at? But it wouldn't shock me if somebody beat Michael Hawkins. It would not totally shock me if you saw somebody just decide spur of the moment at junior day, hey, I'm going to be a Sooner. Yeah. It would not be completely out of left field. Yeah. I'm not saying to expect it, but what I am saying is if it happens – I, I would not be too terribly surprised. Who uh, who are the headlines for the uh, junior day that are supposed to be in here this weekend? Like, Would you consider this like, oh, wow, this is a massive junior day for OU? Because I already saw a headline today that said, it's a massive junior day for Deion Sanders in Colorado. Watch out. Is that the feel around OU or not so much? Uh, here's, here's what you have to consider, Tyler. Uh Colorado mm. fans have only been following recruiting for like three weeks. So accurate. Any and every junior day is going to be a massive junior day in their eyes. We got three four stars in this weekend. Yeah. Now to it's be the fair, biggest recruiting to weekend fair, ever. To be fair, it is a really big junior day for Colorado. So yes. But I think at Oklahoma 
there's kind of the expectation that at any event like this, you're going to have some five stars. You're going to have some high four stars. It's going to be a lot of blue chip talent running deep at your junior day. So I think what's important to note here is that when you look at the visitor list, and for those of you that are not yet subscribed at OUinsider.com, that's where you can go. Grab a month for just a dollar uh, on a trial subscription and check out the junior day list along with plenty of other inside info on Oklahoma football Mm. recruiting. But if you look at the visitor list, I would underscore all of the guys from the northeast side of DFW that I have referenced time and time and time again that Oklahoma already stands a very good chance with and would stand an even greater chance with if Michael Hawkins were to be first through the wall and commit. I'm talking about Nigel Smith, Peyton Pierce, Eli Bowen, Xavier Filsamy, and Aaron Flowers in particular. Those five. Am I leaving anybody out? Jaden Hardy. There you go. There's six. Well, it sounds like you kind of have Dallas covered for uh, 2024. You just mentioned the uh, Michael Hawkins impact. It sounds like your new wide receivers coach may be having a little bit of an impact in the Dallas area as well, which comes to – it doesn't surprise anyone, but – that's going over, you know, pretty well. Seemingly, I'm just going to say this: it would not shock me if half of Oklahoma's class in 2024 comes from the state of Texas, because beyond all those guys that I just rattled off, you got to consider that there are guys like Caden Durham and Bryant Wesco and Terry Bussey and Casey Poe that Oklahoma's in very good shape with as well. So, if you got double-digit commits from the state of Texas in the class of 2024. It would not surprise me one bit. Uh, you know, I love like the storylines from each class. Um, I, I I think it's the maybe the best job they've ever done in the state of Florida. Three of the top thirty players. Maybe the storyline for twenty twenty four Parker when we look up and down the list. If you're right about that, is we say, look at the number of players. Look at where they're ranked. OU's always done a nice job in the state of Texas. This is the best job they've done in Texas in a long time. It sounds like that is potentially on the table for OU in 24. Uh, Yes, indeed. And, by the way, Aaron Flowers, if you haven't watched the tape on that kid, uh, he's going to shoot up the rankings. He will be this year's uh, iteration of Samuel Masigo. And, by the way, somebody asked, I think it was – I think it was Sugar Shane in Newcastle asked, do you think 24-7 gives Samuel Masigo a fifth star? So the new rankings reveal is about two hours away. Oh, it's coming out today? Yeah, this Ooh, afternoon. sweet. Yeah. Let's go. Um, I've seen the rankings. I can't disclose any details, but what I can tell you is there will be things you very much like. There will be things you very much dislike. Uh, it'll all kind of come out in the wash at the end of the day. But, no, Samuel Masigo's not going to have a fifth star when the new rankings come they out. Be- respect for Adebare. That's all we ask for. And don't drop, uh, don't drop uh, Jackson Arnold either. Come on. Yeah, I- I'll just go ahead and acknowledge that Jackson Arnold is not getting dropped. Okay. Well, nor should he. Um, that'd be ridiculous. This text from the 405, that 2024 class is going to ruffle the feathers of a lot of Texas and Texas A&M people. So what are you saying, that this is going to be my favorite recruiting class of all time? If it's going to ruffle the feathers of <laughs> UT and A&M people? Don't get me too excited in the month of January about this. Come on. Uh, a lot of you also have opinions on the best linebacker duo of all time at OU. The Boz and Paul Migliazzo may be the best backer uh, possibility ever. That one's really good, man. I, that, that, that one's a throwback for a lot of people. Boz and Migliazzo is is pretty good. I, I think that's probably got to be um, in the top five, most likely. But I think Rocky Kalmus and Torrance Marshall got to rank pretty high as well. 
Teddy Lehman and Rocky Kalmus got to rank pretty high too. And that's what you're trying to get back to, big-time linebacker duos like you used to have on a year-in, year-out basis once upon a time. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More OU football next, right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on The Ref, we're the homo Sooner fans. A reminder to everyone out there, if you're going to tweet at Jeff Lebby, make sure that you tag the right Jeff Lebby on social media. Please tell me you saw that. Please tell me you saw the tweet out there that was trying to tag Jeff Lebby, but tagged a random Jeff Lebby instead, and the guy was commenting uh, on it. It was amazing. Yes, I saw, I saw the tweet. <laughs> Par for the uh, course. I love it so much. Uh, text line, on OU linebacker pairs, don't overlook Daryl Hunt and George Cumbie from the late 70s, both All-Americans on great teams with lengthy NFL careers. As good as any in OU history. Yeah, a lot of you are saying Rod Schote and George Cumbie, the best duo ever. That duo in the late 70s is it's, it's really, 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 really good. But we can have that conversation today if, if you all would want because there's about five, five, six duos that you could argue maybe the best of all time. And there's a duo, like that duo in the 70s, Obviously, a duo in the 80s, a duo in the early 2000s. Like, the duo, the great duo has spanned multiple decades across Oklahoma football, which is, which is pretty interesting. So, I, I'm down to have that debate and uh, have that discussion today. That's, that's for sure. This text says, what happens with Kobe McKenzie? Well, that depends on what he does in this offseason. It sounds like, Parker, that he had a really good – he had a really good season last year. Now, he didn't play, so what does that mean? Well, he had a really good developmental um, period during the season, and they feel pretty optimistic about him, it sounds like, going into the offseason. So if Kobe has a great spring, if Kobe has a great summer and a great training camp, I think he's going to be in line to get some reps next year. Yeah, and look, at this point in time, looking at Oklahoma's linebacker room, you're going to need some guys to make the jump because the expectation is that Deshaun McCullough, Danny Stutzman – and Jaron Kanick are going to be your three starters. But beyond that, who steps up? Because you don't want to be in a situation like you were this past season where you have three guys that are literally taking over 85% of your defensive snaps apiece because that's what was happening for Deshaun White, Danny Stutzman, and David Aguebu, and they were oftentimes gassed by the end of the game. And so you're going to need to have quality depth at that position. I think it's just unclear who's going to – comprise the second team. I think Shane Witter coming back from injury is an intriguing case. Uh, there's some reason to believe that Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis might be in a position to inherit greater duty as they become more comfortable and more intelligent within the scheme. But then I think they're going to be pushed. Sure they're going to they be are. pushed by this trio of true freshmen because I mentioned Samuel Masigo and we mentioned Lewis Carter and Phil Pachotti earlier in the show. Those are three guys that are all coming in very ready to play right off the bat. And that doesn't mean they will. But if they don't, it's not be- it's not going to be because they aren't physically ready. The question becomes how mentally ready are they, are they by September? How serious are these new 24-7 sports rankings, you ask? They're coming out in two hours. Sugar Shane in Newcastle says, If Derek LeBlanc drops out of the top 100, I will shave my dog. 
That's how serious these new rankings are. So no pressure. No pressure by your guys over there at 24-7 Sports, Parker. But Sugar Shane is threatening to shave his dog if Derek LeBlanc drops out of the top 100. He's got an interesting face right now. Hey, um, Shane, I, I don't know. Like, least, get, get the Clippers ready. I don't know what you need to do here. but At least you made that bet on your dog and not on yourself. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, y'all are skipping the 90s. A lot of NFL talent at the linebacker position during that dark decade. No, I, hey, I, we've recognized or we have recognized in the past that the 90s were not a great decade for wins and losses, but there were still some really good players in the 90s. You can find a great linebacker duo in probably any decade. Uh, NOU football history. Uh, there's been some recent new NIL deals that have happened in college football that I think are outstanding. First, Sauce Gardner, who's up for Rookie of the Year this year in the NFL, he's got a new deal with Buffalo Wild Wings, and he has unveiled the first ever All Sauce team as part of the agreement. Right, so he has eight college football players who had the sauciest names in college football. Tell me General Booty made the list. He did not. Wow! I don't know how. It's ridiculous. Michigan State long snapper Hank Pepper. Arizona receiver oh, Booby okay. Curry. Edward Waters running back Gregory Mango. Southwest- Edward Waters? Yeah. Are we serious? Well, that's the name of the school that he plays at. Yeah, I know. You have what is that, like D3? Ed- uh, I think they played, uh, what's the school that we were talking about the other day? I think they oh, play Gannon, Gannon University. Uni- I think Gannon University and Edward Waters are are, are pretty big time rivals. Okay, whatever. Southwest Minnesota State. That sounds like an episode of Coach. Southwest Minnesota State receiver Albert Lemon. South Carolina edge player Hot Rod Fitton. That one's pretty good. Iowa State O lineman Dodge Saucer. LSU defensive back Major Burns. And then a Florida wide receiver. I can't pronounce his name. Ty Chea something Bowman. But that's a pretty cool deal. The eight sauciest names in college football, but you're right. The fact that General Booty is not on there is ridiculous. A travesty. Yeah. A travesty. How is there any all-name team that does not include Oklahoma's own General Booty? Uh, the other one that I saw, uh, Grady Dick, freshman at the University of Kansas. He's partnered with a t-shirt company, and it has a photo of him dunking on the t-shirt, and it says, Big Energy. And I think that most of you can probably get the joke nice. there with, uh, with Grady Dick, yes. How does DeColdis Crawford not make it either, asked the text line. Yeah, it's a, that's a phenomenal question. By the way, did you see Bryson Washington transferred to New Mexico? Uh, yeah, that broke so, during the show yesterday. Yeah, we, we read that yesterday. We yeah. basically, oh, you basically traded General Booty for Bryson Washington. So remember, General Booty was going to commit to New Mexico, and then Oklahoma came onto the scene really, really late. Every time I think of New Mexico and New Mexico State, I think of 2012 off-season radio, Parker, where a lot of people said, well, just add New Mexico and New Mexico State to the Big 12. It makes sense. I mean, they're, they're reasonably close by. You can uh, bring in the New Mexico market. Just bring in New Mexico and New Mexico State. Just add them. It'd be great. Uh, I wonder how wait, that takes that, looking 10 that, years after. That was a serious opinion that I, people had? I don't think, like... It was 90% of people, but I heard that take spouted off a few times that offseason. Add New Mexico and New Mexico State. Yeah. Always thought people that re- was like, interesting. Jerry Kill could run for mayor of Las Cruces and win in a landslide because he got that program to 7-6 and six this past year. Also, it's in Las Cruces. Whoever said those schools aren't that far away geographically, have you ever traveled? 
I've never traveled to Las Cruces. Albuquerque, yes, absolutely. And that's not exactly just down the street either. No, it's like, not. Like, Lubbock is an outpost, but obviously Albuquerque is even would be even more of an outpost. In the, to in give the you some context for how far away Albuquerque is, many of you will recall this. When Travis Davidson and I road-tripped to Las Vegas last summer, Albuquerque was the halfway point of an 18-hour drive. To Las Vegas. Las Cruces isn't that far from El Paso, correct? I think no, it's, like it's not on, very far on I-10. You just yeah, go to I-10, it's, like, it's right I, there. My car was misfiring outside of Las Cruces. Oh, one 110-degree summer day in July of 2020. It was miserable. Fortunately, I just jimmied with the spark plugs, and that took care of it. But <laughs> I was worried. The New Mexico market, there's like 12 people in that state. I, there's more than 12, but are there 12 college football fans out there? That that's that's really the question. That's why it always uh, I was it always confused me as to why so many people uh, easy fix was oh yeah 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 New Mexico New Mexico State all good no problem yeah that, that that'll work okay four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the air coverage solutions text line more Cruton more OU football on the other side keep it locked on the ref. Final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. So, are the new 24-7 sports rankings dropping? Is that like at 4 p.m.? Is that the time, or is it just going to drop at a random time today? They're doing a reveal show that starts at 4, I think. Okay, 4 Central. And then the full list. So, they're revealing the five stars, one Ah. by one, over the course of like half an hour. And then around 4.30, they're going to drop the full rankings. Okay. So you'll have you'll have a couple guys that get their names called during the five star reveal. So just like overall, I I know you don't want to ruin the fun or ruin the surprise. Overall, will OU fans be the hardcore recruiting re- recruiting fans be happy? Just like, eh, okay, whatever, or really upset? Like what what's the what's the mood gonna be uh, for OU fans? You're gonna know who are the glass half full people and who are the glass half empty people. I'll just put it that way. Okay. All right. It's going to be very clear. Uh, how can you have a college football names list and somehow not include the legend himself, General Booty? Well, as a few of you have pointed out on the text line, it sounds like those were uh, like Sauce Gardner has the NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings. Like those names like sound like spices or sauces or wing flavors or something like that. So I'll have to go back and look at the names again, but I think that a couple of you are probably on to something. Uh, on the text line elsewhere from the 940, the only person that would push New Mexico is Landry Jones. I am from the Las Cruces area, and the next time I go back is when I am in my coffin. <laughs> uh, Cody says Brian Erlacher was a New Mexico State player. He actually played at the University of New Mexico, and in his final two years, he was a linebacker, sure, but I think he played wide receiver. He was like a return man kicks. for him. He returned five kicks for touchdowns. He was like a... Um, it was almost like a two-way high school. He's like, okay, this guy is better than anyone else we have. Let's just figure out a way to get him the ball and on the field as much as possible. And that's what they did. And it worked out quite nicely. I think he was like the ninth overall pick in the uh, 2000 NFL draft. Yeah. And now he's an NFL Hall of Famer, which is uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, 580, the new Big 12 in West Virginia says your complaint about the distance to New Mexico is moot. Okay, sure, but – People actually care about football in West Virginia. They do not really care about football in New Mexico. Uh, Here's from the 405. My weekly text asking if there's any news on Jaden Nickens. 
as far as OU offering the kid? No. That offer will come. I don't think it's something that you need to sweat over. He's a 2025. It's not like they're slow playing him to the extent that they did Cole Adams by any means. Um, talking about the, <laughs> talking about adding New Mexico and New Mexico State back in the day has me thinking. At what point is North Dakota State going to make the jump to the power or not the power five but the FBS? What conference are they going to play in? Well, are they a fit for the American, the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah hey, hey, there you go. In the Fargo Dome, is it that where they play? Uh-huh. See, you can play in a dome up there it in North like Dakota. It holds like 17,000 people or yeah. something like that. Hey, you mentioned Cole Adams. Like, is this a good time to just start preparing no, it's people never a good time. for Danny Okoye and, and probably what's going to happen there? Because, look, Cole Adams was a four-star last year, and you remember the panic that we dealt with for several weeks about it, it is a colossal mistake that OU didn't end up getting – Cole Adams, and, and maybe in the end it, it looks like that, but Danny Okoye, you're going to see him as an Oklahoma kid. You're going to see him with a lot of stars attached to his name, and the feeling right now is that he's not going to go to OU, and some people are going to freak out about that. I, I just feel like we have to slowly but surely like, hey, guys, like it, it looks like this one should be easy, but it's it's not. Like, no. Don't in any way get your hopes up for it. And here's what people need to understand. Just because you grow up in the state of Oklahoma does not mean you want to be a Sooner. And Danny Okoye has never had any expressed desire to be an Oklahoma Sooner. I don't believe he has ever visited campus, to my knowledge. So I just want to approach it now yeah. and address it now rather than June and July when everyone's like losing it. Let's just be clear here. No one should have their hopes up about getting Danny Okoye or even being a contender for Danny Okoye. The good news is you can still have a really, really, really good recruiting class in 2024 without Danny Okoye. And I think that you're probably going to have another really nice 2024 class. Top 10? Yeah, potentially. Top 5? Well, if they have another really, or if they have a really good year with the staff, I think that's definitely in the cards. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.